0: Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Herabedian, recorded live. Triple alignment, session two. Last session we talked about how God desires for us to be led by the Spirit. We are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You're on loan from heaven. You're just sojourning in the earth. You will return to heaven and you will return and you will either hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest and the peace of my father. Or you will hear, well done, crispy critter. That's a joke, but it's also sobering. Yeah. No one goes to hell by accident. You have to fight to get there. But some people fight every step of the way while they're sojourning on the earth and they make it in contrary to God's will because God's will is that none perish and the word none in the original Greek language it means none amen no one his desire and his will 2 Peter 3.9 is that none perish but all and the Greek word for all <coughs> means all You've heard the old saying, all or none. God's will is that none perish, but all make it in. Mm -hmm. Jesus was hung up for your hang-ups and mine. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't get it wrong. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn The world, but rather that by Him we might have everlasting life. So, as we move into triple alignment session two, which can be a little bit of a deep subject, so put on your scuba masks, (laughs) put on your scuba equipment, Lord, fill up those tanks of air with your grace that we might be underneath the waters as we dive into the deeper truths of the Lord, that we might surface with the treasures that he wants us to have for life and godliness as we walk on the earth before we return to heaven for judgment. We might hear, well done now, good and faithful servant. Those in agreement said, amen. amen. First Thessalonians 5.23, the apostle Paul wrote these words with his first century pen. He wrote this to the church at Thessalonica and he said this. He said, And the very God of peace, may He sanctify you wholly or completely. And I pray God, your entire or your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. desires that your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. Be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you and I accepted Jesus and our name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Holy Spirit came in. He came to dwell in our spirit. Those that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. You contact God by your spirit. You contact the world by your flesh. Mm-hmm. Amen?
1: Yeah.
0: I have shared spiritual truths with you and also carnal truths, the Apostle Paul said. Mm-hmm. There are different types of truths. Some are true to your flesh, some are true to your spirit, some are true to your soul. We're going to break things down tonight. We're going to learn how to have our spirit at the forefront Because those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the mature sons and daughters of God. Those that are led by the flesh are carnal Christians. And those that vacillate between the Spirit and the flesh, the Spirit and the flesh, the Spirit and the flesh, tick-tock, tick-tock. They are a double-minded man, unstable in all of their ways, and should expect to receive nothing from the Lord. So look at your neighbor and say, I thank God you're not double-minded. But you're led by the Spirit in all you do and all you say in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Where does He dwell? In you. Where does He dwell? In your spirit. Here's the thing. He wants to get out and play. He wants to touch a lying, crying, sighing world of destitute humanity in need of a Savior. But He's so hidden within many of us like a pilot light, he can't get out and shine. Oh and so people look at you and they don't even know you're a Christian. Mm. They heard what you said, the jokes you laughed at, when you grin, you're in. Mm. And if they did get saved under your ministry, would they have to backslide instantly just to get into fellowship with you? Wow! Wow! Amen or ouch? Little of both. <laughs> Hallelujah, or heretic. Okay. So, Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. The devil's desire is to get you divided against yourself. Let me repeat that. The devil would love to get you divided against your neighbor. That's good. Cain and Abel had a division. It wasn't Abel's fault. Cain killed Abel. Right? Abel hadn't done anything wrong. But here's why Cain killed Abel. He got jealous. And guess what? He wasn't being led by the Holy Spirit. And when conviction came to Cain, instead of him responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the clear instruction to do things a certain way, he says, I will do it my own way. I am unteachable. I will not do it God's way. And if God doesn't like it, I'm going to kill the one who does it God's way. My goodness. The enemy in more subtle ways tries to get you and he tries to get me divided against ourselves. Illustration. Your spirit longs to pray. Your spirit is in contact with God, but your soul is troubled. You've got business issues. Finance issues. You've got relationship issues. Yes. You've got issues that go through your mind when you get into prayer and you wonder, where did these come from? Mm-hmm. And then your body. It's got an ache. Yeah. That problem in my elbow or that tag in the back of my shirt's bothering me and, and this chair is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. and your body is Pulling you one direction. Your soul is pulling you another direction, and your spirit is saying, I am longing after God. Mm. Where deep calls unto deep, at the noise of his waterspout, all the waves of his presence and the billows of his presence wash over me in the Holy of Holies. But what's happening to me, I can't seem to break through into the presence of God. Might I suggest? something that the Lord has been showing me if we'll simply ask Him, Lord, bring my spirit to the forefront of my life. And sometimes we have to speak to ourselves. We have to say, Spirit man, come forward into your proper position. Soul, line up behind the spirit man. Body, line up behind the soul. Because My spirit is king, my soul is servant, and my body is slave. My spirit is king, my soul is servant, and my body is slave. We have to stop allowing our body or our carnal nature to be king. And we have to stop making our spirit slave. And when we do that, we'll walk in victory. And here's the scripture. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and do of His good pleasure. Now what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Here's what it means. It means when you got born again, the free gift. He came in to dwell like a pilot light in your spirit. The Apostle Paul said, I travail in childbirth for you, Galatian church. You're young believers and I travail in childbirth for you in intercessory prayer till Christ be formed in you. Well, wait a second. I thought we were born again and Christ is in us. He is. But spiritual formation takes a while. When you first got born again, Your spirit got born again, but some of that stinking thinking didn't leave right away, did it? You looked in the mirror, some of those same wrinkles were there. You didn't change weight necessarily, or eye color. But over a period of time, have you ever noticed when a person's a believer, when there's been a change on the inside? suddenly their attire starts to change on the outside. The way they dress, the way they talk, the way they handle themselves. And you can't judge someone who's just been born again a couple of weeks and expect them to clean everything up overnight. That's right. They're going to heaven just like you. Jesus paid the price for them. Salvation is a free gift. Yes. But to work out our salvation is something that we do with the help of the Holy Spirit. So here's the illustration. The Holy Spirit is within you, in your spirit, but He's wanting you to allow Him to fill and flood your mind and then to begin to shine out your eyes and through your body. As you walk like Peter's shadow, when Peter, carnal Peter, that denied Christ three times, cut off a centurion's ear, walked on water and sank. When he finally got yielded to the Lord, what happened? His shadow healed the sick and cast out devils because He let Jesus out into the world to do what Jesus does best. Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still came, 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil are still evident in our world. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV. He wants to get out into the world through you. Because... Without Him, we cannot do it. And without us, He will not do it because He chose to put this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay. Triple alignment. We're going to go into this now. You ready? Put on your seat belts. Triple alignment. God wants us to line our spirit up behind the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lines up behind... Jesus, and Jesus lines up with the Father. I and the Father are one. We're sending the Holy Spirit to the earth to dwell in you. And those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 1 John 2.13 says this. Little children, young men, and fathers. Three different people groups, or age groups. I believe they're spiritual maturity. When you're a little child in the Lord, you're an outer courts carnal Christian. But when you begin to grow up, You become a young man or a young woman in the faith. And you move into the inner courts. And then when you become a father or a matriarch in the faith, people look at you for wisdom. They look at you for character. It's because you live in the Holy of Holies in your walk with the Lord. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Amen. Okay, I want to share this with you. In the book of Jude... It gives some very interesting admonition to believers. Before we go there, I want to talk about some positive examples. Positive examples from Scripture. Romans 15 4 says this, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So the Scriptures give us hope. They give us patience. Anna the prophetess was in prayer and fasting in the temple led by the Holy Ghost as a positive example in Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Samuel the prophet, none of the words that he spoke fell to the ground. First Samuel 3.19 Can you imagine that every word that you speak comes to pass? The Lord manifests it. That's powerful. Now you can't do that just because God's favor is with you. You have to do that because you're partnering with God. There's a difference between naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it, versus the Holy Spirit told you to spoke it, speak it. And when you speak it out, He confirms His word that goes forth and does not return
1: void.
0: It's about partnership. Don't ask God to bless your work. Ask God where He's working. That area is already blessed. can happen in the workplace. I'm going to repeat that. Stop asking God to bless your work. Ask him where he's working. Join with him. Become a hammer in the carpenter's hand so he can build something great through you as you simply do this. Conk, 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 conk. You're a hammer. But the hammer doesn't say at the end of the carpentry work, look what I made. The carpenter says, look what I made. Thank God I've got these tools. Without these tools, I could not do it. But with these tools, look at the great work that's been done. You are tools in the great carpenter's hand. Don't leave the toolbox. He needs you. He needs you. Joseph, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, chapter 37 through 50, he was used by the Lord. He endured prison, false rape charges, rejection by his brothers, being sold into slavery. He persevered. And 22 years later, he was used of the Lord to deliver two nations, including the very brothers that rejected him. And he said these words, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good and for the saving of many alive. You've been chosen, I've been chosen by the grace of God in the furnace of affliction. Why? And that's good news, by the way. It's not bad news. Because He's refining us like gold in the fire so He can utilize us to put His glory in because He'll share His glory with no man. But if we'll disappear and let Him be seen, He'll give us all the glory that people can handle around us, all the glory we can handle if we'll pass it back to Him. Peter finally got it in Acts 5, verse 15, 16, 17. He's walking And the glory is so strong on Him that people are getting healed and they know His testimony. They know He's been with Jesus. They know He's a yielded vessel of honor fit for the Master's use, prepared unto every good work. And they're like, Peter's coming to town. Get the sick. Get the lame. Get the halt, get the blind, get the demonized, get the drug addicts and the prostitutes. Just line them up in the street. Because when Peter comes by, the shadow, the adumbration of God's glory will overshadow and they'll all be healed and delivered and set free. Don't you want that testimony? Yes. When you show up, they know. Don't you want the testimony that when they text message you for prayer, they know it's going to be answered? You're the go-to girl, you're the go-to man that they call because they know that you know how to get a hold of God. They know you're led by the Spirit. They know you've got His phone number and He answers your call. Scripture says in Psalms 50 verse 14 and 15, Call upon me and I will answer you. you. Scripture says this, pay your vows unto the Most High God. Then call upon me and I will... You see, if you do what God has asked, He'll do what He's promised. If you'll do what He's asked, God will do what He's promised.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Whew. Moses was the meekest or most self-controlled man on the earth, Numbers 12.3. You know who wrote that? Moses. You know why he could write that? Because the Holy Spirit gave him those words to pen. And he was so yielded, he even was yielding enough to obey God in writing that about himself. (laughs) He starts off going out to kill an Egyptian to fulfill the call of God on his life without God. How many of you tried to do some things without God to fulfill the God, God call before? Some people come to me, they're like, well, David, I was out witnessing my faith. I was witnessing away, and I got into an argument with him. I cussed him
1: out.
0: I had to go to that old street vernacular. I'm like, brother you got in the flesh did you win him to Christ no but I won the argument now I know that's never happened to any of us so Anna the prophetess is a good example Samuel the prophet none of the words he spoke fell to the ground God brought him all to pass Joseph endured hardship as a good soldier of Christ behind bars and was exalted as second-in-command over all of Egypt under Pharaoh. And during a seven-year feast, there was a seven-year famine, and God utilized him to bring salvation in a way, or deliverance, to two nations. Moses led and delivered three million Israelites with the rod of God's authority in his hand. But might I tell you this, Moses didn't start off that way. He had 40 years on the backside of the mountain with the sheep.
1: Nah. I'm
0: called of God. Nah. But I saw God at the burning bush. Nah. Can you imagine the voice of sheep in the background? 40 years of it. You sure you're called Moses? I know I saw the bush. I know I had the experience. But he came back the meekest man on all the earth. Meek is not weak. It's power under self-control. Uh, I, I saw a picture tonight of a friend. He's strong. He showed me his, 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 his relative's baby. This little bitty baby. And my friend in the picture, he showed me the picture of the baby. Pic- I was so proud of him because he had that baby so carefully held. <laughs> now, that didn't mean that he was weak. He had power and her self-control. He could have broken that baby. Yeah. But instead, he was holding that baby tight and safe so it wouldn't drop or fall. Yeah. God is not weak. He's meek. Amen. He could break you or me like that. But instead, He's holding us in His arms of love. God wants you and me to be meek and wise. Now, we just talked about positive examples from Scripture. Scripture also says this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11 and 12, when it gives warnings about other people in Scripture. So we've got positive examples. And we've got some not-so-positive examples. So there's role models that show us what to do. And there's some other role models that are warnings of what not to do. And I don't know about you, but in my life I want to be a positive role model. We're either a good example or we're a horrible warning. (laughs) Scripture has good examples. And it also has... Horrible warnings. And I don't know about you, but if truth be told, I've been both. Don't do what I did. Bridge out. (laughs) That's not a pizza man at the door. That's a land shark. Do not answer the door. Now these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now I'm not speaking a negative thing. I'm not speaking over our congregation that we're going to fall. I'm speaking take heed that you don't fall. Take heed that you think you stand lest you fall. Mm -hmm. And if you see somebody who's fallen... Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you too are tempted. Amen. Don't be an accuser of the brethren, be an intercessor. Amen. Amen? Amen? Two ministries go on before the throne of God day and night, the ministry of intercession, Hebrews 7.25, Jesus forever lives to make intercession for the saints of God that come to God by Him. The devil, Romans or Revelation 12, 10, and 11 the enemy, the devil, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down who accused the saints of God before the throne of God day and night. What ministry are you in? Are you in the ministry of intercession, connecting your spirit with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or are you in the ministry of accusation, connecting your flesh with the devil?
1: Oh, Woo. Woo.
0: there's a semi a pause for reflection. <laughs> my goodness. But what ministry you're in indicates who your father is. At least who the father of your flesh is or the father of your soul is. Take heed. Beware lest you think you stand, lest you fall. Okay. Now while we all fall short in some areas, There are three basic character flaws from which those called to ministry must be delivered in order to stay on the path of life. Well, who in here is called to ministry? You have been given the ministry of reconciliation as a believer. So look at your neighbor and say, Welcome to the ministry.
1: Welcome to the ministry. Here we go.
0: There we go. You're in the ministry. Right? Any man be in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And even as God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to Himself. Now Christ is in you and is making His plea for people to reconcile back to God. And he's committed unto you the ministry of reconciliation. Welcome to the ministry. So this message is for you. Each of these character flaws involves selfishness and is outlined in the epistle of Jude. Jude's epistle to the church was written primarily as a warning about those who are false prophets within the church and the believer's response to false prophets within the church. Remember, we are not talking about false prophets who call on the name of false gods, but those who name the name of Christ. Jude 1.11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsayings of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts in the church when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Question. Apart from him, we can bear no fruit, can we? Yet these people have fruit that withereth. How did they have fruit at all unless they were connected originally to the vine? To have fruit that withereth. You ever see a fruit tree and the fruit has withered? Well, it had to be a tree, orange or apple or pear, right? For that stuff to wither, it had to be a tree to start with. It couldn't have produced the fruit unless it was a real tree. These people are in the love feast. They're in the church And they have fruit, but their fruit has begun to wither. But then their fruit falls off, and now they're without fruit. And now they're twice dead. How do you become twice dead unless you were first once born again? Mm -hmm. Plucked up by the roots. Jesus said, every tree, every branch that beareth not fruit... She'll be cut down and hewn into the fire. Thrown into the fire. These are strong words by Jesus, by the way. Anybody know a guy named Jesus? Red letter stuff? Everybody read that stuff? Okay? I, I don't mean to like overemphasize the red letters, but I mean, he is the guy that died for you. You might want to... Consider this. Just go through and read the red letters one time. See how your life has changed when you begin to apply just the red letter stuff. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Do good unto them that speak evil of you. Yep. Just do Matthew 5.
1: Yep.
0: Just do one chapter. That's all he's asking. Come on, preach. And see what happens in your life.
1: Okay. My God.
0: One chapter!
1: <laughs>
0: but the attitudes, these are the attitudes we ought to be. <laughs> and if you get over into Matthew 6... When you pray, mm-hmm. when you give, mm-hmm. when you fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not it. When, when,
1: right, when, right.
0: Right. right. Do you see how we have a tendency to forget the simplicity? Mm-hmm. Larry Bird, basketball player, mm-hmm. famous, incredible. You know why he was so good? The basics. I mean he was talented. Mm-hmm. But Larry did the basics. 200 free throws after the game. What are you doing, Larry? We're going to go out and get a cold one. I got to do my. I got no. I got I got to shoot 200 baskets. But we're going to you're you're more talented than me. I don't have the talent you do. I got to go back and do the basics. But look how many years he was in longevity. They had DUIs. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Today in the 21st century we are seeing a restoration of prophetic gifts in the church. It's happening right now. And people are being swept away by the real prophetic in a good way. And they're being elevated quickly because the prophetic will cause you to grow rapidly. A motorcycle can get places that a car can't. Which would you rather be in an accident? In a motorcycle or a car? And why is that? You're more protected in a car. Well, the prophetic can go places regular ministry can't. But you can crash and burn too. And I've seen a lot of people in the last few years that start to operate in the prophetic that have real prophetic gifts, accurate, and then something happens to them. And they get off. And the other day... I was with I was with a friend of mine and we walked into a prayer service and while we were there a person who I respect in the prophetic came up after and instead of coming up and saying David who is your friend thank you so much who is your friend I believe I have a word from the Lord for him for me to introduce, for them to follow prophetic protocol, Mm -hmm. and them to say, I'm not sure, but I I sense I've got a word from the Lord for you. Could I have permission to share it? Mm -hmm. The person would have said, absolutely, you know, I, I want a word from the Lord if you've got something. Instead, they came up, and there were people present. They were mature believers. This person came up, And they begin to point and prophesy like they're in the office of the prophet versus the simple gift of prophecy for edification, exhortation, and comfort. They began to do it, thank you, as if they were in the prophet's office, God's gift to mankind, that the Trinity had turned into a quartet, or the fourth person, the Godhead has accepted them in as the only voice on the earth. (laughs) And they began to speak Things that didn't witness my spirit. I know the person well. I know the things that are going on with him in ministry and in life. And things could not be better. Mm -hmm. Traveling to different nations. Doors are opening up. I know things that people don't know. This person says, I know. The Lord has shown me and the Lord says, you've been going through a difficult time. They began to prophesy about things that weren't true. And then they said, but God's going to bring you out of it, but not yet. It'll be another season. This person's getting ready to go into international field where books are going to be written in different languages. He's going to meet with some of the highest ranking officials in the nation. And I'm standing there somewhat shocked because the person who's doing this, I respect in the Lord and I've never heard them miss it before. But the last few months before this happened, there was a shift in that entire ministry. And something had got the hold of the leader of that thing. And they got off. And I'd been praying for them, and I'd been watching. And i have been saying, "Lord, because, you know, believers can miss it. Believers can get off base. That doesn't mean they're not believers. And guess what? As a prophetic minister you might miss it. But he's your heart with the Lord. That doesn't make you a false prophet because you missed it one time. It means you missed it. What makes you a false prophet is when your character doesn't line up with Scripture or you're misusing the gifts for personal gain. And we're going to find out what happened with Cain, Balaam, and Korah. And we're going to see the character flaws in them. You guys ready to go on this journey? Mm -hmm. We've taken a little while to warm up tonight. I apologize we're getting ready to get in the groove. Here's what happened. The person then whirled on their heels and went off like their Superman cape. Had to go off to the next prophetic utterance. So I didn't say anything. I was deadpan. But let me tell you what. While this person was prophesying, I was looking. And there was two other people present. There was me, the person they were prophesying to, and this person's assistant in the the ministry they're in. And I looked at the eyes. And when I looked at the eyes, I saw a dark shadow over the left eye. Often indicative of a spirit that's a familiar spirit that's attached itself to them based on pride. Okay. See, you can prophesy today and you can prophesy tomorrow. Whoa. Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus said, "Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven." Peter, your spirit is in connection. Now, let me tell you about the things I must do. Jesus said, "I must go, be crucified, this and that, I'll be raised from the dead." Peter's like, "Stop it! What do you think you're doing, Jesus? You need some, you need some theological correction, brother. Come over here, well, prophet. You know, as a matter of fact, you just, you just verified it. So I've just heard accurately now. now I'm going to have to rebuke you for this, Jesus. Uh, uh. That's crazy, isn't it? And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou hast not in mind the things of God, but of men. You're out of alignment, Peter. Get your spirit back in alignment with God. Your soulish thinking has taken over and your spirit has become subordinate to your soul and now you're in trouble and now you went from prophesying to prophylying just like that do you see how quick it can happen I know nobody in this congregation has ever done that you've never given an accurate word today and then given one where you missed it tomorrow because you got into your natural man thinking anyway long story short The person went, they went to the other nation, the power of God fell, all kinds of new doors were open. they're right now in another nation ministering in crusades. While they were at my house, I called an accurate prophetess friend on the phone and I said I want you to minister something to a friend of mine. And she said okay, she says if the Lord gives me something I will. Actually she had called me for prayer because her whole church was under attack, the pastor all the ministry staff, all of them were sick, unexplained sicknesses. And she didn't have anybody in her own congregation in leadership that could handle that level of warfare. And she sent me a text message. 911 help. And so I called and I had my evangelist friend with me. I said, we need to pray for her. So we prayed and it was about maybe five minutes into the prayer. Bam! The power of God hit. And she was free and she began to jump and leap and praise God. While she was doing that, the Lord gave her a word for him. And this is what she said. She said, So-and-so, I really appreciate you praying for me. And David, thank you. I've got the breakthrough. She said, while we were in prayer, she said, the Lord, I believe, gave me a word for you, so-and-so. She said, I know you don't know me. She said, but David knows me. And if it's okay with you, David, and if it's okay with you, so-and-so, I'd like to share that word with you with your permission. Wow, completely different, wasn't it? And she read his mail. Things that he had been talking with me about for the previous three days. And he was concerned and she had information from heaven that delivered him in his soul from an issue where it was a relationship-based thing and he was free. And As she shared, she continued to ask permission. I'm seeing some other things. Would it be okay if I continued? He said, absolutely, absolutely. And then she said this. She said, I'm seeing some other things, but the Lord has not given me a release to share those yet. They're for me to pray in your behalf for. And the presence of God was on that call. Both parties were blessed. Now the point is this. One comes with the pointing finger Uh and completely misses it and prophesies a lie trying to bring him into bondage not knowing that that's what she's doing. Another one breaks him free. Uh So do you see the difference in the way the ministry occurred? One blessed, the other... In fact, the first one, when we went to the car, I said to him, I said, could I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said... That uh, prophetic word, I said, did that, uh, did that witness in your spirit? And he kind of looked over at me, and he said, um, no. I said, on a scale of 1 to 10 of accuracy, 5, 7, eight, three. he said zero. I said, let's get to the car. We got to the car. He broke witchcraft up off of himself. Because there's Pentecostal, charismatic witchcraft that people will come. And it comes in subtle ways. It also comes at higher levels. With every new level, there's a new level of devil. I've dealt with the Jezebel spirit on a number of occasions. And a mature Jezebel spirit is a whole lot different than an immature one that you just shake off. Now, if you're immature in the Lord, you'll get tripped up on that thing. But a mature one is strategic. And they are deadly, if you're not careful. And they show up as wolves in sheep's clothing. And nowhere in Scripture do I ever see where a woman that operates in a Jezebel spirit ever repented. So if that thing starts to attach itself to you, do not let it get a hold of you. Break free from it quick. We've got another teaching on that. It's on the website. Jezebel. But anyway... That being said, and and I'm not, nobody in this congregation that I'm aware of operates in that. We've got a very good congregation right now. So I'll let you know. Just kidding. (laughs) Anyway. And then you can say, if I show up like this, you'll be like, you got a Lucifer spirit. I'm not submitting. (laughs) And shepherds should be gentle, not lording over the flock, but Jesus washed feet. Do you see the humility in serving people with the prophetic... Otherwise, it becomes pathetic. Mm-hmm. And it hurts instead of helps. Okay. In the 21st century church, we're seeing a restoration of the prophetic gifts. Simultaneously, we are witnessing a restoration of counterfeit gifting, both inside and outside the church. 1-900 psychic lines are common. 25 years ago, you never saw that. It's like, oh, you went to a tarot card reading? What was that? Now it's like you call 1-900, no problem. You know? In fact, you, you you put on a sitcom or program. I mean, they've got them prophesying through the television, yeah. and you know, I, they, well, you're dead, brother. And this, I mean, it's just some weird oh, stuff that's so anti-biblical. And then you've got people in Hollywood that name the name of Christ that had those people on their program, yeah. and you wonder what happened to them. And the next thing you know, they got a book club with New Age stuff that's everything but Jesus. Uh-huh. They're making millions of dollars, oh, yeah. and you're like, well, wait a second. Then you find out. They don't even believe in a biblical Jesus anymore. What happened? They got swept away. Both inside and outside the church, while those who practice astrology, tarot card reading, crystal ball reading, are clearly false in their ministry, it is a more difficult act to discern those who speak falsely within the church when they do it in the name of the Lord. Hopefully, the three basic character flaws that we're about to look at from the lives of Cain, Balaam, and Korah will prevent us from making the same mistakes when using our God-given gifts. We're talking about alignment, triple alignment, that your spirit's in contact with God, your soul is aligned behind that, and your body is aligned behind that. Your spirit is king, your soul is servant, and your body is slave. Now, at two in the morning, when the body yells for the Snickers bar, Uh, don't let him be king. (laughs) Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Snack on that that one. Okay. (laughs) The name Cain... Prepare your ears. We're going to have some... You might want to take notes here. Cain, his name means maker or fabricator, one who makes his own way. He is self-willed. He is... Unteachable and his flesh is king. He operates in the works of the flesh. And every time you show him scriptures on stuff, that doesn't that doesn't apply to me. I'm a playmaker. That doesn't apply to me. And if you try to point out to them that those character traits or those activities, the 17 works of the flesh from Galatians 5, 17 through 21, that they're operating in drunkenness, they're out sleeping around and this and that and this, they're like, oh, I, I accepted Christ when I was you know 17 years old. I'm going to heaven, brother. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, you're gonna bust the hell you're gonna bust hell open. Yeah. You're gonna wake up the demons when you get there. Come on. Yeah. No, I'm I'm telling you, you are. And they're right. like, brother, you know, once saved, always saved. I'm, I'm fine.
1: Come
0: on. I'm like, well, you need to get saved first.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But I am saved, I confess Christ. Well, you need to tell you're the rest of your person. Good. <laughs> Right. Right. You know, I've heard you talk. You certainly don't eat with the same mouth you talk with. Maybe. I mean, that's common. Okay. So Cain, he had his body out of alignment with God. He represents those who are plagued with the character flaw of self-will. His name, literally translated, means maker or fabricator or one who makes his own way. Remember, Cain would not sacrifice to God in the way God had ordained it. Right. Instead, he wanted to sacrifice his own way. I'm going to start a new religion. And God's just going to go ahead and accept it because we're all going to heaven and He understands. And mm-hmm. Look, there's a lot of ways to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's
1: it. That's that's right.
0: There's a lot of ways to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. All paths do not lead to heaven. Right. Well, let me rephrase that. They do. Because it's appointed for man to die once and then face the judgment. Everybody's going to heaven. It's just not everybody's staying. Okay. Boy, that's a wallop. Everybody's going to heaven.
1: Man,
0: yeah. Just not everybody's staying. You know, everybody goes to sentencing when you get convicted. Some people go to house arrest. Some people... Go out on probation. Mm -hmm. Some people, they just expunge it. And some people, like me, do 20 years in federal prison. Mm -hmm. Trust me, I understand that one. And guess what? You get sentenced alone. But didn't you have co-defendants? Yeah, but I got sentenced alone for my crime within the conspiracy. And all of humanity that's conspired against God will go up before him alone. And you will give an account for the deeds done in the flesh, whether good or evil. This is not a condemning message. It's a liberating message. It's to liberate you from sin. I met with a friend of mine for lunch. He said, David, he said, I need to talk with you. I'm so distraught. He says, my son went out and did this and he picked up this. And now for the rest of his life, I said, you know, God heals. And he looked at me. And I said, you know, I said, you and your wife have been married for how many years? He said, 20 years. I said, both of you are monogamous, aren't you? He said, yeah. And I said, you don't have to worry about that, do you? And he said, well, no, we don't. I said, it's just a better way to live, isn't it? And he said, yeah. I said, Christianity doesn't preach bondage. It preaches liberty. The world preaches liberty, but it brings them into bondage. Here's what it is. The wide side of the funnel is the wide gate that leads to destruction. The narrow side of the funnel is the straight gate that leads to everlasting life. If you have the wide side of the funnel, everything looks good. But the farther you get in, it becomes tighter and tighter and tighter. tighter. That's how the devil operates. He promises you liberty, but he brings you bondage. The Lord, on the other hand, says, come in the small area. And the deeper you get in Christ, the more liberty you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Amen? That's it.
0: And so when you're operating in liberty, and another brother or sister just come in the small gate, don't let them speak evil of your liberty they're not going to understand it. They're going to think you're on the wide road. (laughs) And then when they come in the wide road in their Christianity thinking they're on the small road, they're going to look at you. Why don't you do this and that? You're like, why would I want to? (laughs) What do you mean why would you want to? My flesh doesn't want to. Because my flesh is not king. My flesh is slave. Okay. Okay. Cain attempted in Genesis 4 to make his own way, to fulfill the sacrifice to God in his own way. Abel, his brother, offered a correct sacrifice and was pleasing to God. When God tried to bring correction to Cain, he was unteachable. God gives more grace to the humble. But he resists the proud. The word humble could be the word teachable. James eight. The word proud could be the word unteachable. God gives more grace to the teachable. But He resists the unteachable. Mm -hmm. Scripture, right? Mm -hmm. When we come to God inquisitive and humble, He always answers us. When we come to God proud and accusatory, He's not required to answer us. Now, He may not answer you immediately, but if you'll persevere, it will come. Korah means bald or uncovered. He refuses to submit to godly authority. This is the one that will operate in a religious spirit. He is a dangerous devil. He's a Pharisee. He's a Sadducee. He loves position in the church. Korah, his soul is out of alignment with God. His mind, his will, and emotions. And it represents those who are plagued with the character flaw of self-exaltation. Moses, who are you? We're prophets just like you. Why do you lord over us? Moses is like, well, what, what did I do wrong? I laid hands on you and you received the gift of prophecy and, and now you want my position. Mm-hmm. Honor those in the faith that have gone before you. Mm-hmm. You may have a greater calling than them, but honor them. Because without them, you may not even be saved. You might be on your way to hell. They put up with some stuff with you when you first got saved. They walked you through it. They cried with you. They laughed with you. They mourned with you. They bought you new clothes. They bought you Christian books. They got you your first Bible. And now you want their position? (laughs) Now you're going to leave their church? Now you're going to talk bad about them? Wow. Wake up! You got a spirit of Korah on you. Wow. You're self-seeking. Yeah, yeah. I was awakened at 3 15 this morning. I'd sent an email. It's a beautiful email. I had a person read the email. It was an honoring email. I woke up, got to my heart. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Your motive wasn't pure. And I thought, oh my gosh. Still had some self seeking in it. Even though you couldn't read it in the email, the Lord knew. Okay. Okay. And I thought, Lord, what have I done wrong? And I began to retrace the steps, and I saw how I'd done it. Look, I don't care how mature you are, it can happen at any time. That's right. But I repented at 3.15 in the morning. Actually, I repented about 3.30. It took me about 15 minutes to process that thing. Okay. You guys are quicker at repenting than me, okay. maybe. I don't know. Okay. Hopefully, you just yeah. got convicted and repented for something else. <laughs> Amen. So his soul was out of alignment with God. The word Korah, his self-exalting spirit for promotion, his name literally translated means bald or uncovered. This is symbolic of one who has no spiritual covering by choice. He's a church hopper. He won't submit to authority. He won't be accountable to anybody. She won't be accountable to anybody. And here's what happens. They're not submitted to authority. They're like a wind blowing around. Whoa who can speak anything to me? I have God himself who speaks to Uh me. (laughs) Well, who do you submit to in authority? Do you have an accountability partner? God is my accountability partner. And you can tell in their voice that they think they're him. (laughs) You know why? Because their soul or their flesh is king. And their spirit is in a jail cell and can't get out. So the spirit of Korah serves self like the other two examples we'll have but this spirit is rooted in rebellion against authority in Numbers 16 Korah resisted authority the authority of Moses which was true authority and rallied 250 other leaders against Moses to rebel with him this spirit has real gifting the sons of Korah wrote some of the canonized Psalms. He was anointed as a real prophet. He was a leader in the wilderness. A, a leader represented somebody who was over a thousand people. So, of the 250 leaders, it represented 250,000 people. So, two hundred and fifty one thousand member congregations rebelled with Korah. Remember a guy by the name of Lucifer? who took a third of the angels with him, you think he still isn't looking to do that through you? Mm -hmm. And they rebelled against Moses. Moses' response was not, Who do you think you are? Let's have a firefight. I got God with me. I'm Moses. I delivered everybody out of Egypt. Didn't you see the serpents? My staff swallowed up their serpents. I called lice. I called water into blood. Don't you mess with me. I'm anointed. (laughs) Moses was the meekest man on all the earth. He fell on his face before God. And when he fell on his face before God, God spoke, get up and tell them to offer incense. And those that I receive incense from are mine. And those I don't are not mine. And those 250 priests, bishops over their thousand member congregations got up as they had before to offer incense in the Lord. But this time an earthquake opened up the ground and sucked all 250 of them down into the earth. Think they went to heaven? No. But David, they were prophets. Their fruit began to wither. They were without fruit, twice dead. But David, that's the Old Testament. You tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you tell that to the person who wrote this in the New Testament in the book of Jude. You tell this to Jesus who said, a tree is known by its fruit. You tell it to Jesus who cursed a fig tree because it had no fruit. Hmm. It's interesting to note that Korah was a renowned and famous man in Israel, and that he was clearly anointed by God as one of the Lord's prophets. For we all know that he may have been more gifted than Moses, but he refused to wait for God to exalt him. Could it be that he was supposed to be the next Joshua, but he wanted to get promoted too quick and it cost him his life and 250 followers? Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 23, 12. God abased Korah. Korah and 220, 250, 250 princes of the assembly were suddenly swallowed in the earthquake, and they were done. The final example Balaam, who's a devourer of the people, is what his name is. A devourer or a conqueror of the people. And this is a guy who's been loose with his spirit, he's got a real gift for prophecy Numbers 22 indicates that Balaam was so accurate in his prophecies that the Lord appeared to him himself and Balak wanted Balaam for money to use his prophetic gifting to curse the people of God and Balaam was on a donkey and got rebuked out of the mouth of a donkey, remember that? here's what happens He goes and does it anyway because he loves the money. I have people call me all the time. David, would you prophesy to me? If the Lord gives me a word, I will. Well, I just need some direction from the Lord. If the Lord gives me a word, I will. Well, you know, I'll make a donation to your ministry. Keep your money. You have no idea. You have no idea. There's always that hook. And if there's something in you, you'll get hooked. And once you start down that path, You can see people on TV when they get that hook in them. The anointing lifts. I'm not speaking negatively about TV preachers because I love many of the TV preachers and I've been fed by those TV preachers. I've been greatly blessed by those from different denominational backgrounds. Just recently, I've been watching one as I'm flipping through the channels I see him. And he's like 55 years old. And I've watched him maybe 20 years, and he's been in ministry 30-plus years. And I respect him. And I was flipping through the channels the other day. And something's got a hold of him. And I'm praying for this man. Because the last time I saw him, and anybody can dress funny one time. Right? You can have a bad hair day. Right? You didn't get a chance to... You... Your luggage was lost. You borrowed somebody's stuff. But when you dress that way two and three times, something's wrong. something's wrong. Now I'm not saying he's got one of those spirits. Okay? Let me just clarify this. That's normally the worship leaders. <laughs> the male worship leaders. Yeah. Oh I'm, boy, I one thought just came in. <laughs> Don't say that one, David. That was a soulish thought. It's funny, though. <laughs> but it wasn't funny to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> anyway, when you grin, you're in. Okay. So I looked, and it's the second or third time I've seen him. And he's got real fancy clothes on. But he's 55 years old, and he's in real good buff shape now. I've never seen him in this good of shape in his life. Okay. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, what this guy looks like. He's steroided up at 55. And I'm like, what is wrong? And I'm looking, and he got his shirt. Like, showing the chest hair, right? If you're listening to this on CD, got the chest hair open, the button a couple of that. I mean, it's like, I could see if he had like, you know, okay, maybe one popped open, you know? Right? I'm thinking to myself, but I mean, he's got it down. He's got everything but the Mr. T starter kit on. Right? The gold chains. (laughs) Hold on. But he's still anointed. The doctrine is still good. But there's something that's hooked his soul. It's got to be something from his childhood that he hasn't been healed of yet in his soul. And if he doesn't get this under control, it's going to mess up his ministry. So pray for that unnamed person. There was another man. I used to watch him on TV. Very anointed. And he would get up. And and he would be preaching in his huge congregation. I just couldn't watch him. There was just something in my spirit that went, No, something's not right. But I remember five years earlier, it was so right. I was anointed. I used to watch him. He would get up. He had about 22-inch arms. He would get up and he'd be preaching. Take off. on. And his shirt would be like up to here so you could see his big biceps.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. That's inappropriate. It really was. That doesn't give glory to anyone. The Maybe. next thing you know, two years later,
1: it yeah. comes out in the news. Yeah. Little boys.
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. See, but you can see there's a hook in the soul. Something's drawing that person. It was a soul tie yeah. that they were tied to. You know what I had to repent for the other day. I had to repent, not for a soul tie to a person. I had to repent for a soul tie to the memory involving the person from 25 years ago. Okay. I was laying in my bed and a memory of some activity that happened BC, Before Christ, Christ. D.C., during cocaine. Okay, I was a trafficker, okay? During that era. B.C., D.C. Before Christ, during cocaine trafficking. D.C.T. Okay, but here's the thing. All of a sudden I'm laying in bed and this person comes to mind. And I begin to entertain that thought. I'm thinking, I broke the soul tie. How can this be? Look. And the Lord showed me I had a soul tie, not with the person, but with the memory.
1: The memory. That's it. That's Man. It
0: and if you... You can't keep the birds from flying over your head. Right. But you can certainly keep them from building a nest in your hair. And sometimes you've got to break the tie with the memory. Because you say, well, I, but those were fun times. You can tell when a person's still got a soul tie with the memories by the way they talk about them. Their eyes light up.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wish. There are certain conversations that I don't entertain because it could open me up.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yep.
0: Like people like to watch MMA, mixed martial arts. I'm like, I can't do that. I was in the martial arts. It makes me think a certain way. I can't watch violent movies.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Not that I was particularly violent, but there was a little bit of a propensity toward that.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay? And so the point is this I don't entertain that because if you sow a thought, you'll reap an action. If you sow an action, you'll reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap. A lifestyle, you sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. And I'm not trying to go to hell for anybody. I'm born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I cast out demons, I don't cast them in. I used to cast them in. I was an evangelist.
1: For the wrong side.
0: Okay. Balaam and his spirit caused him at the direction of the Lord to prophesy seven oracles, prophecies that all came to pass, so deadly accurate, I don't know anyone in the Old Testament, other than maybe Moses, that was as accurate in his prophetic gifting with open visions with the Lord appearing before him than Balaam. In fact, he prophesied the coming of the Messiah in the Numbers chapter 22 and 23. It's amazing! How did Balaam die? He died in Judges... Joshua 13, as a soothsayer in battle against Israel. Did he go up or down? He went down. Well, brother, I received Christ from Aspaph 15 I'm cool. Hmm. Beware that you think you stand. Take heed, lest ye fall. Yeah. These were written as our examples. Good. Now, I preach heaven pretty, but I also preach hell hot. Good. And I'm going to share something with you. Maybe it's a lost art about hell. But hell is real. Yeah, it is. Don't go to hell for a woman. Don't go to hell for a man. Nah. Let me tell you some of the people that messed up. Wow. Judas. 30 pieces of silver. Oops.
1: Yeah.
0: Oops. Judas messed up. Demas was in the ministry for six years. Scripture says, Paul, Demas has left me having loved this present world. How can you be six years in the ministry with the Apostle Paul and go back to the world? Back to the world. Yeah. You're seeing demons cast out. Yeah. Handkerchiefs and aprons. The dead are raised. Yeah. A prophet's office, an apostle. He goes in and the city shakes. Those that have turned the world upside down have come here. Two the apostle Paul is a preaching machine he's writing two-thirds of the New Testament he's been with Jesus Demas is like yeah. Paul I mean I love you but you know I mean Caroline's calling me and you know I got a job over at IBM and I got a 401k and they're going to give me a golden parachute on this deal and six weeks vacation and an expense account and this thing living by faith I mean it's cool for you Ananias and Sapphira were in the church My God. when they lied to the Holy Spirit My God. and it wasn't about their giving it was the fact that they lied about so they could look better That's right. Right. Yeah. and then when they were asked about it they lied and Jesus said oh you know they're cool you know yeah, they gave more than other people and you know let's just let it slide They drop dead in the presence of God. In the church. And then the wife comes in and and she lies and she drops dead. How has Satan so filled your heart that you will lie to the Holy Ghost? The same men that came to drag your husband off will now pick up your dead body. And instantly she dropped dead. I'm sorry, but this is in the New Testament. Elymas, the sorcerer who bewitched the people with his sorcery was struck blind. Blind. A mist of darkness fell upon him. This is New Testament. Jezebel, the woman who called herself a prophetess, Jesus himself. Turn with me to Revelation 2 just so I don't misquote it. There's a seriousness coming upon the body of Christ. We need a can to act right.
1: A can act right.
0: A can of act right. Give me a can for me and a can for a friend. Don't hide them, divide them. If you got two, give one to the man who has none. Jesus says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. This is in the book of Revelation. He's talking to the seven churches. And he says, notwithstanding, red letters again. Jesus, I have a few things against you. Because you suffer that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess. You know how many churches I walk into? I'm prophetess so and so. I'm David.
1: I just say it all the time.
0: And you know what? People are like, well, are you a pastor? Ah, I like to. I'm a host. Host of what? I like to host the Holy Spirit.
1: <laughs>
0: well, uh, and then and then pastors will be like, what? What church? Uh, how many members do you have?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Seven thousand. Well, where's your church? Thousand prisons. Seventy-two hundred twenty on our uh, ministry list right now. How about you? They're like, well, uh, we uh, we uh, we are a growing church. We do some outreaches. We do too. Two hundred thousand came to Christ in 2011 in Africa. <laughs> Uh, uh, Where where, would you go to school? School of Hard Knocks. I got a BA and a BHG. I'm born again. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. A tree is known by its fruit, not its degrees. The Apostle Paul says, I count everything that I've obtained to be dung compared to the excellency which is in Christ. I came unto you in fear and weakness and much trembling, and I declared not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I did not come to you with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men's words, but in the power of God. For the kingdom of God is not in word only, but of 1 yes.
1: yeah.
0: Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 and 1 Corinthians 4 20 the, the point is this it's not about what you know as much as it is, is who you know do you know him and the power of his resurrection my goodness do you want the power of God in your life it's time to get into triple alignment. It's time to make our spirit king. And every time the flesh rises up, you say, Silence! In the name of Jesus. When the flesh rises up, you say, Silence! In the name of Jesus. David encouraged himself in the Lord when nobody else was around. Oh, well, there's nobody to help me. David encouraged himself. And guess what? You plus God is a majority, and He's with you. He lives in you. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Godhead dwells in you. And but, my goodness, we can't fail. Let me ask you a question. The devil's got to be wringing his hands at times. He works with somebody 30, 40 years. He messes them up. He gets them all twisted on drugs and alcohol and bent relationships. And all of a sudden, in all this somebody shares the gospel they're 48 years old and the devil's got them all twisted up they're going to hell and the person says yeah i'd like to i'd like to have that salvation what do i have to pay for it what's oh, free what will it get me well you'll spend an eternity in heaven with jesus i've been living in hell i want it lord forgive me my sins come into my heart And the devil's got to be going, I worked 47 years. And this guy gets in with a plan. Oh, my God. Then he gets vengeful. He's like, I got to take him back. I got to take him back. He's not cleaning out my house. It's war now. I got, you know what? He's got a few ex-girlfriends that
1: broke up with him.
0: I'm going to have them knock on his door. And here comes Delilah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> See,
0: Samson had a problem with his flesh. And he wouldn't bring it under control. I'm going to share an illustration with you. Is this good? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun? Okay. Yeah. It's real. We're keeping it real. Yeah. Samson went after a harlot in Sorek. That was straight. Flesh. Yes. You call a prostitute, that is not longing in your soul. Yes. That is flesh. Yes. But Delilah was a longing in his soul. Mm. He used to love to put his head in her lap. Yeah. He just didn't know she was a hairdresser. Oh. She clipped his seven locks. Delilah, the hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, that was a bank joke where only the teller laughs. <laughs> David saw Bathsheba. What did God's anointed named Samson, what did it cost him hanging out with Delilah? It cost him his eyeballs. The very things he used to to look at were gone. It cost him his freedom. It cost him his position. Is it worth it? No. And here's the crazy part. And this is so deceptive about ministry. A minister ends up in the sin of presumption. The sin of presumption is when you presume you're okay with God because He's still anointed you to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to win the lost. That's an anointing for the people. The presence is for you out of relationship. I had a friend of mine, Frank, 450 pounds. Nobody could preach like Frank. He had a television ministry. I met him in prison. He had a 700-year sentence. God delivered him. After a 40-day fast, and after six years in Arkansas prison, which is one of the worst there is, financially, you get beans and spinach. And then once a week, you get a piece of meat with their rice. It's terrible. He used to have to buy, he's a 450-pound man. He, he bought Twinkies from the guard for $10. Now they're on eBay for $10 because Hostess is
1: gone.
0: (laughs) Nothing happened. Nothing's changed. So anyway, the point is this. Frank said to me, married 27 years, never committed adultery on his wife, married as a virgin. He was a big, heavy-set man, but there was a hook in his soul because of his size. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He wanted to be looked at by somebody other than the people that called him names. Mm -hmm. But man, this guy could preach. He was fire-breathing when he preached. Good doctrine. He had... A gift, an orator's gift. People would get healed when he would lay hands on them. I used to fellowship with Frank and I said, Frank, what happened? How did you end up in prison? He said, David, the devil got me. I said, how? He says, I was in ministry. He says, and then I bridged over into the marketplace. He says, we got into mortgage banking. He says, and I started doing loans and the money began to stack and I had an office in Las Vegas and I had my ministry down in Springfield. He says, I preach on Sunday. Signs and wonders would happen. People would get saved. Prostitutes would come to the altar. God would do all kinds of amazing things. He says, my wife and I were ministering down there. And then Monday I'd fly out to Vegas and I'd work the week, he says. And we were funding the gospel with the money. He said, one day I was at a business party. And a woman asked me, do you want to, uh, Oh, would you give me a ride back? To my apartment or condo or wherever she was staying, she was a very attractive woman. Frank's like, yeah, no problem, you know this and that. So, in Vegas, a lot of limousines, you know. So his limousine, you know, in the business, you know, was part of the thing. And and I want you to get it in context. A lot of limousines in Vegas, so this is not out of the norm. So he has his limo driver, and they're talking and this and that. And she says to him, she says, "Would you like to come in for a minute?" He's thinking, okay, you know, whatever. Doesn't think much about it, but he put, him in, he put himself in that position. She said, now she was way out of his league in the natural. Frank had never seen a woman this beautiful, attracted to him. The devil will get you with a hook. He'll send out a general. Whatever is in your soul, he's got it for you. He'll meet your needs. Yes, Yes, he will. He met Judas' need with the 30 pieces. He gave him a job with the money bag because he knew what was in him. I'm going to use him to betray Christ. I'm just going to go ahead and give him the position with the money bag. You got a problem with money, stay away from the CFO position. Chief financial officer, you're going to end up in hell. (coughs) Here's what happened. Frank told me, he said, David, she says, excuse me. She says, do you mind if I go get into something more comfortable? Frank literally is married as a virgin. 27 years. Never committed adultery on his wife. Identity issue. The enemy says, I got it. At the apex of his ministry, at the apex of his financial career, funding the gospel, she comes out and she's in a bathrobe. Oh, and she says, would you be kind enough to make me a drink? Frank doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke, doesn't chew, doesn't go with girls who do.
1: <laughs>
0: he's like, okay, which one is it? Well, it's the brandy. Oh, okay. Okay. He pours it in. He marks up. Anyway, she says, Oh, could you bring that to me? So he's like, Yeah, he walks over. And he, he looks at her and she says, Thank you. And she drops it off her shoulders. Uh-huh. And Frank's ha ba-ba-ba-ha-ba.
1: ba And
0: he doesn't know what to do he's frozen
1: yeah.
0: he's never been in this situation before set up. he's set up by the enemy anyway he falls prey to it commits adultery he can't believe it Dave his limo's waiting for him outside because he just went in for a minute the next morning he gets up in Vegas they'll do this another limo driver comes up they give you a replacement his kind of stuff happens what Happens in Vegas. is judged in heaven. No, no, that's not the ad, is it? Why don't they... Why don't they... There's nothing hidden that won't be brought into the light. I'm sorry. Jesus' words do not line up with the Vegas commercials. But Nike does. Jesus says, don't be a hero of the word only, but do it. Just do it. So anyway, Frank says I got on the plane I'm sitting in first class and I'm like oh my god I've committed adultery on my wife I've ruined my ministry and so the woman in first class she comes to the steward and says would you like something to drink he's like I, I, I um, yeah yeah give me something to drink he never drank before oh, no. and he, she says what would you like I, I, whatever he's having give me one of those she gives it to him he said David I picked up two habits in 24 hours Jesus You see how the hook comes? He says, I got home. I walked in. Thinking my wife's going to see it all over my face. But God will conceal it. And this is where the sin of presumption happens. It's when you presume you're okay with God just because you're not judged yet. Mm. Samson had his head in the lap of Delilah for 20 years. But when judgment happened, bam! He's in the prison house. He dies suicidal. Pushing the pillars out, asking the Lord for the anointing one last time. When you see a minister fall on TV, let me tell you what happens. They age 15 years overnight. How did they go? And then you find out methamphetamine and gay massages? How, what, what do you mean? How did that happen? And if you don't know who I'm talking about, thank God you don't. But let me share something with you that was a man of God.
1: Yes.
0: Good doctrine, built churches, was a leader over 40,000 congregations but he'd been wounded at six years old when the enemy got to him and it was never healed and it began to repeat itself in his life. And He hated that sin. Frank says to me, my wife didn't know, I went into the pulpit on Sunday, the anointing came on me, people got healed, saved, delivered. I went into my office, I cried out to God, oh God, deliver me, what have I done? I he said, I got on a plane on Monday, I went back to Vegas. He says, and the enemy started to line him up, he said, David, I'm 450 pounds, look at me. He says, and I've lost weight since then. He said, I used to be five and a quarter. He said, I am not the GQ cover model. He says, but everywhere I went, there was a girl, and everywhere, he said, it was crazy. He says, and within two, he says, I went back to Vegas and I'm in the casino, he said, I've never gambled before. He says, I sat down at a blackjack table. I picked up my third habit. He says, and I started winning. He says, I won like crazy. I'm making money. I'm winning at the gambling table. He says, I'm committing adultery. Now I'm getting free drinks at the gambling table. He says, I'm a total wreck. He says, I step back into the pulpit. The anointing comes. I get out of the pulpit. I go to my office. I cry out, God, deliver me. And he did with the 700-year sentence. Uh-oh. for a white collar crime $3 million and he wouldn't pay off the judge and so the judge in Arkansas said oh through his attorney you're not going to give me $3 million he said I'll tell you what I'll do he says you pled guilty to all the counts that we're going to run together he had 30 he had 20 20s and 65s, 65-year counts and 20 20-year 20 counts. And he was going to plead guilty to all of them and the judge was going to run them together Then he was going to get out in a matter of X amount of months or whatever it was, they were going to make it all go away. The judge says to him, I'm giving you 2020s. I'm running a boxcar. That's 400 years for that, the 65s. That's, I'm boxcar on those that's 300 then I'm going to boxcar on those that's 700 years he's the only guy that I know of that went away for a 700 year sentence for a white collar crime wow. and he's like what happened yeah. when judgment falls it falls hard, it falls hard. Yeah. thank God it fell on him before he ended up in hell yeah. these are spots in your love feast feeding themselves without fear clouds without water carried about with winds of doctrine whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead triple alignment it's God's will that you be sanctified and I be sanctified wholly and completely in your whole spirit your whole soul and your whole body let us stand God tonight we just seek you and we repent for any self-will we repent for any self-exaltation we repent for any self-seeking we break ties with the spirit of Cain that's unteachable and self-willed we break ties with the spirit of Korah that won't submit to godly authority and is interested in self-exaltation and wants to have the preeminence among them we break ties with the spirit of Balaam which wants to do the ministry for reward or personal gain. And tonight, Lord, as we look to You, we ask that You would draw us into triple alignment. And I command now, under the sound of my voice, Your Spirit to come forth and to take its kingly position in following the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Holy Spirit, reveal the will of the Father. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us into all righteousness. Soul, we command you to line up behind our spirit. Become servant as designed by heaven. And body, we command you to get into alignment behind our soul and become slave. We take authority over you, your appetites, your passions, and we nullify your works that are contrary to the will of God. Lord, give us fresh oil tonight. Begin to visit us and draw us up into the presence that we might be in perfect alignment with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with our spirit, soul, and body in perfect alignment, that we might be mature Christians, no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of men, but that we might grow up into the measure of the stature, of the fullness of Christ, that we might have. We thank you for the admonitions in Scripture. We thank you for the good role models. We thank you for the horrible warnings. If you want to just do business with God in your chair, feel free to do so. And just ask the Lord to bring you into alignment. And if you have to break ties with some soul ties, break ties with the memories related to the soul tie, that your thinking's free. And remember, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to the liberty in Christ. Wide is the road. And many are thereon. Words of Jesus. And when you get free, your children get free because the generational curse is broken. gonna mm. give a final word. Your sin doesn't just affect you, it affects your generations. Your righteousness doesn't just affect you, it affects your generations. Abraham, gave tithes unto Melchizedek scripture says and Levi gave tithes unto Melchizedek while he was still in the loins of Abraham Abraham Isaac Jacob Jacob had 12 sons one of them was Levi four generations every time you give tithes your son and your daughter your son's son your son's son's son pays tithes unto the Lord your righteousness affects your generations your unrighteousness affects your generations with generational curses, generational blessings. Tonight you have an opportunity to sow, not just for you, but your generations into the kingdom. Bibles to prisoners. You can give for Africa, for crusades. You can give for whatever you feel directed. Give unto the Lord, and He'll multiply it, and it will affect positively. Your generations. You can't buy your miracle, but you can give your way out of a problem. What are you saying, David? You can't buy your healing, but you can give your way out of sickness. God's had me sow seeds at time to get free from things. I didn't buy my deliverance. I sowed my way out. It's a whole other teaching. That's not tonight. But ponder that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. In Egypt, it's the land of not enough. For he who loves money never has money enough. In the wilderness, it's the land of just enough. You got your daily manna. But in the land of Canaan, it's the land of more than enough. When I was in the world, I had a lot more money than I do now. But you know what? I never had enough. Because the things I spent it on weren't wise. Now, I've got more than enough when I live in the kingdom. But I don't spend it on the same foolish things you don't have enough, ask the Lord to show you in your checkbook what you've been spending it on. And then look to see where your tithing is at. Tithe means tenth. And that may not be the only trigger. There might be other things. But if you're not hooked into a local church, get hooked in one. Pay your tithes there unto the Lord. If you're not hooked in somewhere, you can give them here. We like to receive offerings here, which is above the 10th. The 10th goes to your local church where you're hooked in on Sunday morning. If you're not hooked in, you can hook in here on Friday night make it your Sabbath service like they did in the first century church. They met for Shabbat service Friday night, 6 p.m. and had their Sabbath then. I'm not a Saturday Sabbath guy. I'm a Jesus guy who's Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. I also want to pray over the offering before we give it because there's people that have given online donations. They've given in California. They've given in North Carolina. They've given in Texas. They've given in Arkansas. There are people that watch these services online and they're connected with Eagle Heart Fellowship. And they've sown and they've sown significantly. And we want to speak a blessing over the offerings that came in right before the end of the year and as the crux of the year turned. So Lord, we just pray over the offering from previous weeks that have come in with online donations. We pray that you would multiply the harvest, that you would bring the generational blessing into their families. Those that are unsaved would be saved. And since this is a ministry that reaches the lost in other nations through gospel crusades and the power of witchcraft is broken. And since it's a ministry that reaches into the prisoners to set the captives free with the Word of God, helping change lives one Bible at a time through Heart of America prison ministries, we declare their family members will not have to go to prison, but the thing that would bring them in their soul, the hook, would be broken broken off not from the outside in but from the inside out that the enemy would have nothing in them Jesus says the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me Lord deliver us from evil that's within us so that evil that we confront we have power over it in the mighty name of Jesus we speak multiplication multiplication, and the righteousness of Christ being formed in our lives. In Jesus' name, we call it done. Amen and amen. Give your brother or sister a hug. Tell him you love him. This has been another powerful teaching by David Herabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidherabedian.com.